today on the On Enquirer podcast, we have an hour of Illinois and Big Ten basketball chat. On June 7th, as we recorded this, Isaac Trotter, national 24-7 sports basketball writer, is going to break down what he thinks of the Illinois basketball offseason. He's going to grade the Illinois basketball offseason. He's going to talk about the returns of Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins where they rank among the Big Ten returners. He's going to talk about his favorite transfer edition for Illinois and what he thinks about how Illinois filled its point guard spot. He's pretty blunt about that. Uh, How Brad Underwood needs to play his revamped roster, how this movement uh, has impacted uh, the Illini players. Um, Some are returning. Who does it impact the most? Uh, and then we dive into the Big Ten basketball tiers. Some teams making moves, getting up in, at the top of the Big Ten or potentially contending and making the NCAA tournament. And then some teams that have fallen a bit. So Isaac Trotter covers it all. We're going to get to him here in a moment. Of course, this is a great time if you are not an Illini Inquirer VIP member to sign up because we have a 60% off deal going on right now. That is more than $70 of savings for the next year. And now is a great time to do it because Illinois football has a huge month ahead uh, in recruiting them rolling out all my official visit primers. So what's Illinois' chances with Darian Dupree, the four-star Chicago Mount Carmel running back? How about four-star Naperville North DB Luke Williams? I got the latest buzz and insight on those recruitments and all the other dozens of prospects, about a dozen plus that are visiting this weekend and then another 15 or so that are visiting towards the end of the month. It is a busy time for Illinois football recruiting. Of course, Derek Piper has had you covered for the longest time in Illinois basketball. We're going to have more insight on that. What could be next? He's writing a piece on that right now. So sign up for Illini Enquirer VIP membership and annual subscription You save $70 with our 60% off deal, but act now. It's not going to last long. So go to AlanaEnquire.com and check all of that out. One of our favorites at Alana Enquire is former Alana Enquire writer. Now he's big time. College basketball writer nationally for 24-7 sports. Isaac Trotter talking Alana and Big Ten next on the Alana Enquire podcast. All right, welcome in to the Illini Enquirer podcast. It's our friend, Isaac Trotter, 24-7 sports, college basketball writer, and Isaac I know you've been paying attention to what Illinois has been doing, but more importantly, how Illinois fans have been paying attention to what Illinois has been doing. Um, the last two months have been interesting. What, what have you made of it all? What a wild ride, huh? And it feels a little bit weird to have a little bit more answers than not. And now uh, I'm starting to do like minutes projections for teams. And it's like, oh, this actually works. And so it feels like for the last two months, Illinois fans have been operating under all of these ifs, ands, or buts. Now we have some answers, but it feels like we don't like the answers to the test anymore. So it's it's a very weird dynamic right now where it feels like there's a lot of frustration with what the roster is. But at the same time, if you kind of go through it, you're like, this is a good roster outside of one really, really <laughs> massive position. Yeah, you didn't get the exclamation point at the end, but uh, it, it does feel like this is a pretty good Big Ten team. Maybe not a great one. So I'll, I'll start there, Isaac. Uh, the roster is mostly set, we think. We'll see if anything else happens. Uh, how would you grade what Brad Underwood and his staff did this offseason? Yeah, it's, it's unfair to really... Uh, grade it from a big picture perspective. I kind of break it up into a few things. I, I look at retention. I would say it's a C. You lost RJ Melendez, but you're able to get you know Ty Rogers back. You're able to get Sincere back. You're able to get Dane back. That, that's a win, I think. You're lost, obviously, Jay Nepp, so it's a C. But um, also, your NBA draft things, that's an A. You get Coleman Hawkins back. You get Terrence Shannon back. You go in the portal, I would argue it's a B, right? You got really nice pieces, but your most important piece that you were trying to get in the in the point guard position is still a massive question. So overall, I think it's a, a solid offseason. I don't think it's a grand slam offseason. I think if you had gotten Ray J. Dennis or a high-caliber point guard, whether that's a Yuri Collins, whether that's you know, insert any of those top point guards that we've talked about ad nauseum for the last few months. I think you would look at Illinois had arguably pound for pound the best offseason in the Big Ten, maybe the best offseason in the country. But I still think that this program took a step forward this offseason, even if you didn't necessarily land the point guard that everybody had been talking about. And so I think that's kind of like the the balancing act with this entire offseason because you don't want to just judge it in a vacuum. But your roster did get better. 
in a lot of different spots. And so I think overall, this offseason is a win, even if you feel a little bit underwhelmed with the point guard hunt. And you could argue that was a pretty big whiff, to be honest. Yeah, and I would say, you know, for next season, it feels like a B-plus to me. I mean, with Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins back, that that made it that. But you also had Marcus Damask and, and Quincy Guerriere and, and Jeremiah Williams. Those are all should be basically improvements over what they had last season. But you also have to take into effect, those are all one-year guys. <laughs> like, like, so the future, what does that look like? How do those guys impact the longevity of the younger pieces you have? Do, are, do they get upset with lack of playing time? But I guess we'll sort that out over the long term. But it feels like they've put together a pretty high-floor roster with one big hole in it. Or maybe not as big hole, but maybe it's capped its ceiling with its point guard. Yeah, and, and I... I just think that this roster is going to be so good defensively that it's hard to not be at least re- relatively good. Like this team is going to be really, really excellent defensively, assuming everyone stays healthy. But I felt like the the point guard play was like the big objective of the offseason. That's, hey, that's the number one thing that we have to do. And so even though everything else you did well, and even though you got Terrence back, and even though you got Coleman back, I feel like there's an ugly taste in some people's mouths because it's not the point guard that was promised, right? It's not the son that was promised or are those different, different conversations. John Snow but, not walking through that door. Yeah. It's right. It's right. And so it's like, we have like this, like um, it feels like you missed out on what you try, went into the off season trying to do, but I don't think that negates everything else that was a strong positive from this off season. And the fact that you really built up your depth at some really key positions to withstand injuries, to withstand guys not playing well. I, I really do think that this roster is as deep as Brad Underwood has had since the, you know, the Kofi Coburn, Io DeSumo, Adam Miller, Andre Corbello team. Yeah, you really think of all these guys, like if Justin Harmon has to give you 25 minutes a game, you feel like he could do it at the two. Uh, you feel like if Luke Goody's got to be a 20-minute game guy. I mean, Ty Rogers. I mean, you talked about picking minutes there, like projecting minutes. It's really difficult. It's really difficult to figure out who's going to be the ten-minute guy, or who's who's not going to be in the rotation. Um, you know, maybe it's the the freshman, Dre Gibbs, Allhorn, and Monty Hansberry. But there is a lot of depth two through five on this roster. Are you ready for five minutes into the podcast? We're already doing the minutes thing because yes, I did it. I did my homework. You did. All right, let's do All it. Right, go for I it. I did. Terrence and Coleman both played 32 minutes last year. Let's give them 32 again this year. Big big time players. They're going to play a lot. Let's play Goody, Quincy Garrier, Marcus Domask, Ty Rogers, and Dane Danger all 20 minutes. Right? They're all 20 minute guys. Right? Yeah, I would, I would go the, 20 to 25 with those. Like I think Domask is going to be a 25 minute a game guy. I think you know Garrier. That sounds about right. 20. Danger 20. Yeah. I agree. Well, that leaves about. 36 minutes left for your point guard room, whether that's 25 of Jeremiah Williams, if he's eligible and 11 of sincere Harris, right? Like that's kind of where you're at. And I didn't even say anything about Justin Harmon. I didn't say anything about Amani Hansbury. I didn't see anything about DGL, Dre Gibbs, Lawhorn. It's like, where are the minutes here? Like there, there are a lot of guys where you feel very comfortable playing at least 20 minutes a game. Cause I'm with you. I think Quincy Guerrier didn't come here to play 20 minutes a night. I don't think Marcus Domas came to Illinois to just play 20 minutes a night. I think both of those guys can beat 25 minute per game guys, but the minutes are going to be a war and there's going to be some real battles at two, three, four and the five position here on, on how this rotation shakes out. Cause this is deep with a lot of different answers and a lot of different lineups that I think you could play really comfortably together. I want to ask you more about how Brad Underwood plays those guys here in a little bit, but Zach Eady's return to Purdue obviously was the biggest in the Big Ten and the country. Uh, We'll talk about where we have Purdue ranked in the Big Ten because we'll do some Big Ten tiers here coming up. But where do Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins rank among the Big Ten return decisions uh, from the NBA draft? I personally think that Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins are number two and number three wow. on that list. Uh, there, I mean, you look through the list. Let's go through it. Uh, Indiana, you get Xavier Johnson back. That's a pretty good get, but that's not on the all Big Ten levels that you think Coleman Hawkins potentially could be defensively, and then Terrence, who could be an All-American candidate. Uh, Iowa, they get Tony Perkins back. That's a good one. Julian Reese, maybe you could put him in that conversation. Maybe he's a little bit better um, than than Coleman Hawkins, and and maybe a little bit better. Or Jameer Young could also be better than that too but Terrence at least 
is that number two for me because I, I, I looked through all of these transfers who went to place, really high-rated transfer, and then he comes back for a second year. There's a pretty good history here where guys go from really good in year one to really excellent in year two. Jalen Pickett's the best example of it right there, right? He goes to Penn State. He has a solid first year. Second year at Penn State, All-American. Tyler Kolek at Marquette. First year was okay. Second year, All-American. Philip Rebracha at Iowa. First year, six points a game. Second year, 15 points a game. Marcus Carr, Colin Castleton, Tyson Walker. All these guys took enormous jumps in that second year with the transfer. I look at Terrence, 17 points a game last year. First team All-Big Ten from the coaches. There's a jump coming. Is that All-American status? I think that's fair. I don't think you could potentially see that with the rest of the other guys that come back in the Big Ten. And then you look at Coleman, arguably defensive player of the year, it has to be like his number one objective next year. I think that's a, in the realm of potential outcomes that he can be a defensive player of the year. I talked to and him about had, it last year before the season. I go, that does that feel like a goal for you? Because I thought it was after what he did to, to Keegan Murray and, and uh, a couple other guys in the Big Ten, Ron Harper Jr. being one of them. Like, I, I feel like... I feel like he was a good defender last year, but I think he's got another level. Totally. And so maybe you put Cliff O'Marui ahead of him. Maybe you put Julian Reese. Maybe you put um, Jameer Young ahead of him. But Coleman's in that second tier there after the Zach Eady range. But I think it's pretty clear that, like, Zach Eady's won all by himself. Yeah. And then it's wide open because you could have – I think Terrence could be an All-American guy in, in year two. And I think if Coleman's a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, front runner, along with another step offensively – He's one of the most impactful players in the country and arguably what you know an all big 10 caliber player too next year yeah he's i mean whole garden aikens obviously are big for michigan state but i feel like coleman's got a lot of you know of the returners best nba draft potential uh next year julian reese i think is up there but he didn't really flirt with the nba this time around so uh yeah i would have him definitely up there all right yeah it's it's yeah go, go ahead no go ahead yeah it's just like a weird combination where it feels like if this if this, you know, peak performance translates, we're talking about a defensive player of the year candidate who averages 12 and seven with three assists and shoots 40% from or 34% from three. Yeah. Like that's a, that's first. That's a pick. really good player. Yeah. That's a really good player. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to the next one, Isaac. Who is your favorite transfer addition for Illinois of the guys they've added so far? Four transfers. You get Jeremiah Williams, Quincy Guerriere, Marcus Domas, Justin Harmon. Yeah, I kind of go back and forth between it. I think Marcus Domask helps you a ton next year. I watched a game of his yesterday against Bradley, and he just doesn't make mistakes. It's weird. It's just like you watch him, and he doesn't make mistakes, and he didn't. he's not dribbling the ball up the court. So he's not like that guy who's going to handle like the full-court press. But he was their number one decision-maker. He had a 26% use or uh, assist rate last year at Southern Illinois. So he might not be like the point guard dribbling the ball up the floor. But when they initiate offense, he's their decision-maker, whether that's a shoot pass or score and, and, and facilitate or score. Like, he's that number one guy. And defensively, I think his size is kind of – a little bit something that people forget about like he is a legit 6'6 215 he is a big dude and so I just look at where this roster is and where it's headed they need him to be excellent I think Quincy Guerrieri if he's if he's good you know that's a that's a good addition but you have backup plans right and you have backup plans on the wing too if Marcus Domask doesn't really take a step but I just think he's going to help you in so many different ways maybe he's not you know a 15 and and five and three guy but if he's eight four and two or ten four and two with really good shooting splits he really is here to be the rj melendez replacement and i think he's better than rj melendez and can maybe not as high of a ceiling nba potential wise i think he helps you more next year than what rj melendez could and i'm a huge rj melendez fan <laughs> yeah. as as all have known yeah and i, I loved rj's effort uh, on the defensive end the last month plus of the season um but he was unreliable he was really unreliable, and that team needed some reliability, uh, especially with Matthew Meyer being up and down and all the freshmen on the roster, and they just didn't get that uh, from from certain guys, and R.J. Melendez was certainly one of them. So while he doesn't have that athleticism, Domas doesn't have that athleticism or you know maybe that defensive potential of being a stopper, um, I think he's going to be reliable. Uh, you know, more than Goody, he's got a, a more well-rounded offensive game, but he also can be a spot-up shooter. I think he can be a team defender like Goody. But on a team that's got Terrence Shannon, you had Justin Harmon and Jeremiah Williams to it. You had, you know, you got Gary Air, Coleman Hawkins. 
got some guys who can leap a little bit, right? Ty Rogers can leap, Sincere Harris. You just need somebody skilled and reliable. And, and, and I've made the Sam Greasel comp, but if you put Sam Greasel on Illinois last year, I think he felt a lot better about, hey, if Meyer or Shannon is off, you got another guy. You got a third guy uh, who can just be a reliable bucket getter at times. Well, and I also think about the free throws that he generates too. Yeah. Terrence is such a great free throw, like a drawer. He draws a lot of fouls, gets to the line a lot. Domask does a lot of those similar things as well, where his shot fakes in the lane, his ability to play a little booty ball, like he can kind of mismatch hunt a bit and get to the free throw line. And that was something that I felt like, you know, they, they got that from Dane last year, but he's not a very good free throw shooter. I mean, Coleman's not a reliable free throw shooter. I felt like Matthew Meyer picked and choose when he wanted to attack the rim certain games, right? Some days it was just going for the step back threes and stuff. I think with Domas, you're going to be able to get another guy who will routinely, and it takes effort to attack the rim. It, it, that is a hard thing to do. And I think he is going to continually buy into that because he's an awesome foul shooter. And that adds a different element to this Illinois offense. It just raises the floor. Yep. If more free throws, knock down your catch and shoot threes, and just be a winning, winning piece. And I, I feel like he's going to help them a lot. I, I really do. And I, I, again, like we talked about those minutes things, I would be surprised if he's not, you know, flirting with that 25, 26 minute per game mark. Yeah. And the other thing I, we got to remember about Illinois, they were not a very good assist team. This is not a very good passing team, and he's a connector uh, offensively. So I think he'll help there. And I wonder if that was because of the offensive, you know, variance cutting back and forth of what it was, or if it was the point guard play. Maybe it's all of those things, above, all of the above. But I think having multiple players who are good decision makers on the floor, like Coleman, like Marcus, who see the floor, that can alleviate some of the point guard, you know, worries, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think. All right, let's get to that one thing that they didn't address, at least to the standard of what Illinois fans were expecting, and that's point guard. But Illinois did add a lead guard. There are question marks about Jeremiah Williams uh, heading from Iowa State. Of course, missed all of last season with Achilles injury, still coming back from that. Uh, and then, of course, we got to see if he gets a waiver for immediate eligibility. Sounds like there's some cautious optimism there. But those are two big ifs. But let's assume those ifs. If he's available if he is healthy finish this for me for illinois jeremiah williams at point guard is blank isaac not as bad as you think he's a really really interesting piece when healthy and obviously you need health but there are a lot of guys who are entering the portal going hey i need to get 15 shots a game and i need to have a high usage rate and i need to have the ball in my hands i need to make a decision so i can make the nba that's not Jeremiah Williams's game, and you could argue that's not what Illinois needs. They have NBA guys right now on their roster with Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon. They need a connecting defense first, get guys involved. And if Jeremiah Williams is healthy and he is a point-of-attack defender, this is a long, nasty defensive team. Like, this is a nasty, nasty defensive team. Arguably best defensive team in the Big Ten. And you remember, a couple of the issues for Illinois was allowing guys to have career nights and a lot of league guards to have career nights. Jameer Young, uh, Tony Perkins, uh, obviously Jalen Pickett. Um, so it's it's a weakness at, at point guard we talked about, but probably not enough when we were talking about transfer point guards. We are all focused on the offense, understandably so, but they were really bad defensively at that spot. And I think about how it could unlock Terrence Shannon because Terrence Shannon is a very good defender, but I liked him more off the ball than on the ball. I, just using his like free safety techniques where he's just so explosive getting in the passing lanes. And it takes it's hard to play defense at a high, high level when you're also driving the basketball to the rim and shooting 200 free throws a game last year. Like So getting Terrence where he doesn't have to hit, be like, hey, you're a Jalen Pickett stopper right like hey you got to go like guard this dude and stop shut him down and having a guy like that that would free up Terrence to play more off the ball be a free safety get into the passing lanes get out in transition save energy for offense because that's a real legit thing that would really help them I think it's hard, it's hard to I be just, Jimmy Butler it is it is <laughs> well, and it takes time to be Jimmy Butler yeah it takes time to grow in that Trent had to grow into that where he is giving all-out effort on both ends it's it's hard to do that and so I think that having a guy who's gonna you know not allow straight line drives he's big he can guard shooters he can guard lead guards he can be up a point guard stopper and then helps your offense by just like knowing your role is so important and isn't 
you know, I hate saying it, but isn't like a Jaden Epps freelancer who's just going to cut plays off and just go, hey, I'm going to go get mine at this point. Sometimes I think that hurt Illinois' offense last year where they had so many, hey, it's my turn. Hey, I got to go get mine. Hey, dribble, dribble, dribble. It's time for me to go get mine. I don't think you're going to have that with Jeremiah Williams. So you could argue last year's roster is more talented. If Jeremiah Williams is healthy, I think this year's roster potentially plays together a whole lot better. It, it just it just the pieces fit together a lot more. And I think the role definition is so huge for this team. And, and that's going to be a huge thing for Brad Underwood. Coleman talked about it with Piper and, and Lon, like, uh, hey, this this what you're coming to Illinois to do, like role definition is going to be enormous for that. We all need to be on the same page. And I think Jeremiah Williams isn't going to come to Illinois going, hey, it's my time. Hey, it's my time to go get mine and, and become an NBA draft pick. He's going to want to evolve and help other guys. And I think he can do that. Yeah, it feels like if you were healthy, you'd feel a lot better about this, right? Or, or you knew he was healthy and, and eligible right away. I'd feel a lot better about this. Um, I understand the risk. This is a risky addition if this is going to be your one point guard addition, which right now we have to assume uh, will be. Um, but man, like he's he's a good player. Uh, he, he's a good player. He's proven himself at the Division One level. Of course, if he weren't hurt, he might not be available right now uh, for for Iowa State uh, as they've decided to, to turn to some other options. All right, how should Brad Underwood? stylistically play with this team what should they do scheme wise i would like them to get back to more ball screen stuff and not necessarily because i i still have questions about spread and how this roster fits with spread um, maybe domask helps that maybe gary a helps that but i think ball screen offense illinois was illinois bread and butter when they had really good decision makers and i think you can still get to some of those techniques i don't think you should just go hey we're just going to run spread hey we're just going to run five out like i want a little bit more mix with this roster but I, offensively i feel like your offense has to live off of your defense because this defense on paper has to be phenomenal like it just has to be phenomenal if jeremiah williams is healthy and you have terrence shannon and you have a, a, a solid defensive piece like Tomask, and then you have garrier who can guard forwards like anybody and you have coleman hawkins who is set up to thrive in a better situation because they he doesn't have freelancing defenders that's a really really nasty defense and sincere harris and ty rogers <laughs> and Dane Danger, who last year had moments where he was extremely good defensively. And then when shots didn't fall, yep. defense started to become a little bit more optional. So, like, it feels like this roster is set up to stylistically be different. And I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. Illinois has mismatched nightmares for different teams. When Michigan State plays one-on-one -on -one coverage, that's a Dane Danger game. Like, you have to have Dane Danger be a really reliable piece for you. When Wisconsin plays one-on-one -on -one coverage and they aren't trapping everything, that has to be a Dane Danger spot. When you play Northwestern and they're trapping everything, and if Dane hasn't proven that, he has to be willing to take a step back and go, hey, it's not my time. It's time for Quincy and Coleman to be the mainstays at your 4-5. So there's just so many different, like, different ways that this team can play. And I really want Illinois, I think it's in their best interest to get back to having an identity on the defensive end. I think trapping the post with this, with this crew is very much in play. I think what you saw what Northwestern did last year, creating havoc, getting your athletes out in transition can alleviate some of the half-court concerns. And creating turnovers, being physical, being physical at the point of attack, being in attack mode defensively, is what this ethos of this roster can be. And I think that can help you on the offensive end, which could get a little clunky in the half court with some shooting concerns and the point guard concerns. Good stuff. Uh, all right, so we have all these new guys. You get the two returners coming back. So, Isaac, whose like, role are you most curious about after this offseason, whether it's a returner, whether it's a, a newcomer? Um, because obviously these, these are all new pieces. And as you said, a lot of depth here, man. So it's going to impact a, a lot of people's roles. Ty Rogers has to be the answer for me here. I, you know, I think if Coleman Hawkins had left, Ty Rogers playing 28 minutes, 29 minutes was very attainable and would have been a good thing. Now I think it's a little bit more up in the air because you have a lot of guys who you still have shooting concerns. You still have shooting concerns with Coleman Hawkins. You have still have shooting concerns with Jeremiah Williams. Could you play Ty Rogers with those two? And how does that work? Or is he a guy that has to be paired with Dane Danger in a certain way? Or do you have to get him on the floor with your shooter-heavy lineup, whether that's, you know, he's playing at the three with Quincy at the four, Coleman at the five, and you're trying to play Domask and Terrence together, and, and Ty's playing a little point in that regard. Like, it's just, I don't know what his job is. And it feels a little bit like he's like their Swiss Army knife. Like, 
on one night, I'm going to be your lead defender. On another night, I'm going to have to handle the basketball. And some nights, I'm going to play booty ball and, and go to work against some small guys that are guarding me. Like, it feels like he can fix a lot of their things, but there's some old veterans here that play his position. So it's like, how do you find a way to, to be an impact piece? And I'm fascinated by how they use him because I think he can be an enormous piece of their future. And you got to keep him happy. You do. You yeah, yeah. You do not want to enter next year where he's entering the transfer portal because you think about him as a three-year college player being a, a just an absolute dog on both ends of the floor. Yeah, like I have no no doubt he's going to be an impact piece, whether that's 15 minutes or, or 25 minutes, but how that plays um, when you need some shooting with Luke Goody getting on the court or Domask being on the court um, or with Quincy Guerriere and, and Coleman Hawkins and Dane Danger, like – that, that's going to be fascinating to watch. Well, my other thing, too, is you did bring in one-year guys, right? But that means you don't owe them this year. Like, mm-hmm. you don't – like, there is no going into this year going, hey, if Quincy Garrier is going to be here, he's playing 25 minutes a game. If Rodgers is better, he deserves to play over him. Yep. And, like, that's where I think, like, there's, like, this, like, really weird – combination with this roster there's a lot of one-year guys and while there are one-year guys like hey it's like kind of an all-in year that doesn't mean you owe the one-year guy has to play all the time you had to be all in on Matthew Meyer last year you really couldn't bench that guy for too long stretches even though Brad Underwood did early in the season at some point you need a Matthew Meyer for that team to be any kind of successful and he had a great run there until he kind of fell off a cliff late yeah you don't have to do that this year you know, and even Marcus Domask, like you don't like he's a Southern Illinois transfer. Like you don't owe him this huge, huge role. Like it has to be earned. And that's where Ty Rogers is going to come in and, yep. and really muck it up a little bit. And Coleman Hawkins, I think his his role is going to be uh, obviously enormous. But the Coleman Hawkins, Ty Rogers minutes last year were really profitable for Illinois. I think they did a lot of really good things. And both of those two guys were on the floor. And if they can continue to build that bromance a little bit, like the off-ball cutting that they had, the defensive you know, uh, mentality that they brought to the floor together, I think it could be a really good combo. And you don't owe Domask or Gary A that if they don't prove it. Listen, starring in car commercials together certainly gets a, that bromance growing. Uh, that certainly has been the case for those two guys. The other guy I'm interested in, maybe from the positive impact for his side, is Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn. Because if this Jeremiah Williams thing doesn't go right health-wise or eligibility-wise – I mean, Justin Harmon, we got to put in that conversation. Sincere Harris, Ty Rogers, we got to put in that conversation. But Dre Gibbs Allhorn was a guy, you know, before all this went down, before the offseason started, I'm like, ah, we'll see. He gets some minutes, some spot minutes like Pods did his freshman year. But I don't think it's going to be a huge role. They might have to have him because he's explosive uh, offensively. I don't think he's a true, you know, point guard or anything like that. But. Um, maybe he's a guy who can benefit from the lack of addition of the highest caliber of point guard. Yeah. Can we also say this? If Jeremiah Williams doesn't get the waiver, then this is a huge whiff, right? Like that's a, let's just get that out of the way. Like that needs to be said because you can't, like you need that waiver. Illinois' season honestly kind of depends on that waiver at this point. But you're right. Like I think Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, you see some of the stuff that he does in ball screens. You see his decision making. You see his explosive first step. I, I just that pressure he can put on the rim, drawing two defenders. If he can get to that point where he's just a piece, he doesn't have to be the piece, but a piece, that just really changes the team. But again, I go back to where are the minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like if, if right. Jeremiah Williams obviously isn't isn't playing that opens some things up and opens some doors. And I wonder how much Brad learned from last year with these freshman point guards, how to maybe get them into different spots to succeed. And I wonder if there's an evolving with Brad with how he, you know, maybe talks to freshmen, but how he, you know, the job description that he gives them to try to make their life a little bit easier and, and get the most out of them throughout a, throughout a rookie year. All right, Isaac, let's go into the big 10 at large here uh, and break these down into tiers and let's start with – we'll have the conversation of Illinois' foreign ceiling in here as well. But the favorites in the Big Ten, the top tier of the Big Ten, who do you have in this tier? Yeah, like everybody, I feel like it's Purdue and Michigan State right now. Uh, they're pretty proven. They're pretty high floor teams, I think. You know, I've heard Tulips push back on Michigan State, and I understand what he's saying, 9-9 nine and nine in the past thing. But I think from a, if you're an optimistic view, you would argue that the freshmen take another step forward and that guard play wins. And last year, that Michigan State team had a lot of injuries. A lot went wrong for them in the middle of the season. They had some really iffy stretches. Jade Nakins wasn't himself. Malik Hall wasn't himself. They had, they had a lot of 
issues with that team throughout the middle of the regular season that kind of got worked out by the time March rolled around. So you'd hope with a full bill of health, that team can take another step forward. And then Purdue, you know, I, I don't love their rotation pieces just like everyone else, but Zach Eadie's just so good. <laughs> and all it's those just pieces, so good. it's a cheat code. And all those pieces fit around him so well. And it's Matt Painter. And I know it's boring. I know no one has faith in them in the NCAA tournament. But if we're talking about a Big Ten championship, they should be the odds on favorite because Zach Eadie is going to get you 14 to 15 Big Ten wins, most likely, right? And, and you know, Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith should get better. Ethan Morton, Caleb first, Mason Gillis. You don't think of any of those guys as special, but they do Purdue things. And then Trey Kaufman Wren becomes a sophomore. Miles Colvin's a really talented prospect coming in. Uh, they added Lance Jones. I, I don't expect a ton from him as, as a transfer guard, but I mean, if they return that same team, basically. And I, I don't think last year was some fluke because they had the national player of the year. And they don't lose at home. So that also adds things into it too. They're just unbelievable at home. So it's, they're not a fluke per se. And I think that they're going to head into this off season like, hey, it's all on March. Like everything that matters is about March. But a real semblance of if a team is really, really good is how they play in the regular season. And maybe Purdue got some breaks with its schedule last year, but they still proved it both in non-conference play and throughout the Big Ten play that they were the highest floor team and they didn't beat, make mistakes. So I'd expect them... I think I, I'm with you. I think they can take steps forward. I think Michigan State can take steps forward. And I don't think Michigan State matches up that great with Purdue. But, man, that's going to be a, a fun couple wars there. Yeah, if you, if you had to ask me who has the best chance in March, it's Michigan State because guard play. Like Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard, Jaden Akins is phenomenal. Now, in the front court, Malik Hall is a really good player. I don't think he's a great player. Maddie Sissoko is really good. They're going to need, you know, whether it's Jackson Cole or, or Xavier Booker, a five-star prospect, to come in and be really good. Oh, and Jeremy Fears is their fourth guard. Um, yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good Michigan yeah. State roster. Well, and then you liked the minutes from Trey Holloman at times last year. So it's yeah. just like you got five guards that you feel really, really good about. And, yeah, when you when you have a top 35 guard as your fourth guard, Texas, we saw it last year, Texas, Arterio Morris had the same deal, just loaded with really good guards. You tend to play really, really well. And so then it's Purdue and Michigan State, and then it's like, then what? Because yeah. it feels like the, the floor opens. And I think if you threw Ray J. Dennis on this Illinois roster, you would put Illinois in that tier one. Yeah. And now – in I would say that they're kind of in this tier two with a, a lot of different teams. I think Nebraska could be in that. They've had a great offseason. Iowa is, you know, has to be included with how well they play at home and some of the pieces that they have. Ohio State, Maryland, Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Indiana. feels like an enormous tier two where we could have a lot of different outcomes. You could throw a ton of different outcomes at me and be like, yep, that works. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Because there's just a lot of similar teams here that are good. How good? I, I don't know. Well, let's start there. Um, let's talk about these dark horse contenders, uh, potential contenders atop the Big Ten. Because we've got to remember, the last two years, the favorite has not won the Big Ten, right? Indiana did not win the Big Ten last year. Purdue somehow did not win the Big Ten two years ago with Zach Eady, um, Travion Williams, and Jaden Ivey. Like, go go figure. It's and Sasha Stavanovich. Yeah. Go, That's go, a really good team. Go no figure. Did, didn't find a way to win that one, and they lost to St. Peter's uh, in, in the uh, – Big Ten or in the NCAA tournament. Crazy uh, that that happened. Uh, that's the bigger shocker almost than losing to a 16 seed last year. But okay, this is a big group, it feels like, uh, of potential dark horse contenders. So, how would you kind of rank these next tier of teams? I start with Maryland just because I know I have Don't a. Don't hate that. I, yeah, it's a baseball team reference. Like, you want to be strong up the middle? I think Maryland's super strong up the middle. Super great point guard in Jameer Young. Super good big man in Julian Reese. And then you have a wing that you really like in Dante Scott. That's three guys I feel like I can trust. Kevin Willard's a good coach. And then you go, you have Deshaun Harris-Smith and Jamie Kaiser, who are two really, really good freshmen that they're super high on that you expect them to take a step. I, I view them a little bit like an Adam Miller, Andre Curbelo type of additions that yeah. are high floor pieces that come into a, a old team and try to make an impact on winning early. So that's where I start is Maryland as that third team. And then, then yeah, it's I'm just at depth Illinois. again. Maryland is depth yeah. again, right? Like that's, that's what uh, he's got to figure out there. Right. And, and then I would go Illinois in that second tier. Like I, I think Illinois right now is at that fourth spot for me personally we we've done our top 25 kevin flaherty and i over at 24 7 and we had maryland in our top 25 and just outside the cut would be like an illinois who are really really old and experienced and 
you know, I've kind of hesitated to make this comp, but they remind me a whole lot of San Diego State from last year. Mm. They had questions about point guard play, um, but they're, every rotation player is really proven. They're nasty defensively. They're so strong and so physical. They have a lot of different bigs that they can throw at you. They have a stud guard like San Diego State and Matt Bradley. Illinois has Terrence Shannon, who's definitely better, right? Terrence Shannon is better. So it's like a souped-up San Diego State, and – Obviously, nobody saw them coming going to the national title game. I'm not saying Illinois is going to make the national title game, but a really high floor team because old teams win, and Illinois is a very, very old team and experienced. So Illinois would be in that mix there. And how many other teams it, did you have in this tier? I, I personally had just Illinois and Maryland in like that okay. second tier of like con- contenders, dark horse contenders, because okay. I feel like there's another drop off after that. Okay, so you do not have Indiana. You do not have Wisconsin. Wisconsin was the one I had. Th- I was thinking about them as like the dark horse contender because they fit a lot of the vibes. They have all the vibes of a team that can absolutely do it. They'd be fifth for me in the pow- Big Ten power rankings. Yeah. So why Wisconsin at five? Because I I am very intrigued by them this year. I was out on them last year, uh, finally. But this year I'm. It's like ah, that that looks like Wisconsin again. Well, this this is a different Wisconsin team too, just because you do have like the same like Wisconsin vibes of being old, but the AJ store get out of St. John's is enormous. That's ex- that's literally exactly what they needed. Just a high level wing who you know potentially could be an NBA guy one day down the road. Uh, but you have so many veterans. Tyler Wall expect a healthy bounce back season from him. Stephen Crowell is a mediocre to good Big Ten big man, right? Like, he's he's solid, probably middle of the pack. Chucky Hepburn, you expect him to take a, another step forward in year three. He's like a post-type sleeper, right? We <laughs> see it in fantasy baseball a lot. That's Chucky Hepburn in, in college basketball next year. And you add in a Seijin and Store, that's a five that can play with anybody. And then Max Klesman, don't forget about him. Great, yeah. great addition for them. Kind of like what you hope Marcus Domas can be for Illinois this year. Like, that's six really, really good pieces really really good pieces and they're old like i i feel like that's as high of a floor of a team as you'll find in this yeah. second tier there like they're right there for me i honestly i probably should add them into the dark horse contenders section with maryland and illinois we will allow it we'll allow it uh, so let's move on to the next tier which i, I kind of labeled the ncaa tournament slash bubble teams basically the teams that top half big 10 or top eight to ten that are the, the tournament teams or on the bubble uh, how would you rank these next tier of teams? I'm going to guess you got four or five in here. Yeah, I do. I I like Northwestern's roster still. Um, even though they don't get Chase Adige back, you have Boo Booey there. You feel pretty good about what Ty Berry has done throughout his career. Matt Nicholson is a guy you – it's hard to be low on him. Just yeah. a great role player. I expect a, a guy like Brooks Barnheiser to be a really in, interesting piece for them this this year, and they have some other pieces from the portal that are, that are good. So I, I think they're in like that – that bubble team range. I I mean, you could put them in the dark horse contender range if Chase Audige is back, right? Like, that's not crazy. I think I think there's some regression due, but I don't think it's regression to the bottom tier, like some people might no. think. And I think defensively, they still have that same identity with what they I, I think Nicholson's huge there. I, you know, you lose all you lost in that front court, yet you got better. And I think a lot of it, you know, Boo Booey and Ty Berry and – Adige got their flowers, and they should have. They they had some big shots last year, but Nicholson completely changed the way they played. They they became tough. They became physical. That's not what we thought about Northwestern in previous years. And the assistant coach hire was great for them too. Yeah. So that was that was another strong addition. So I expect them to be on that bubble. I think Ohio State. By the way, by the way, last year. I, Isaac referencing Chris Lowry. Um, obviously yes. with, with Bruce Weber's staff at Kansas State, at SIU head coach. So I know Illinois fans know Chris Lowry well, so I wanted to mention him. Yep, yep. He uh, arguably the best assistant in all of college basketball last year. I think he won assistant coach yeah. of the year. So he he's going to be in the mix. And then Ohio State. Uh, is in that NCAA tournament bubble team for me. Uh, You're expecting a bunch of these freshmen jumping into their sophomore year to be really, really good. Uh, Roddy Gale was really, really a breakout piece for them. Felix Okpara, but I'm bearing the lead here, right? If Ohio State's great, it's because Bruce Thornton is the best arguably one of the best point guards in the in the big 10 he's phenomenal yeah they they feel like they could get in that second tier if thornton takes that huge leap because akpara we know what he is like i I think he's got another level and he played well at the end of the year i mean gail was fantastic in the big 10 tournament feels like you know zed key might have to turn it over to to some of these guys and then he had jameson battle to it it's an intriguing team maybe it's still too young 
to 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 be a true Big Ten dark horse contender, but it's an intriguing team. Yeah, they have 13 guys on scholarship and only three of them are upperclassmen. So like that's that's the yeah. downside of that roster. But you go, hey, every year Ohio State has had a freshman come out of nowhere and it turns into a lottery pick. So like that's just kind of what they do. They got <laughs> a good turn. class coming in too, yeah. Right, yeah, and they have a great class coming in. So you expect them to be talent-wise in that same similar tier. Uh, but I, I think still like you have some questions about like Jamison Battle's health is Dale Bonner ready to be a huge, huge piece for them? You know, the Zed key question is obviously huge. And there's real questions about like where this roster is headed because they, they tried for a couple of other big time transfers and didn't get them. So like they, I think that the staff thought that they could potentially upgrade in certain spots and weren't able to do that. But I still think that's an NCAA tournament team. The other team that's interesting in this thing is, is your boy, Nebraska and Casey Tominaga. Like the, again, Pound for pound, they've had as good an offseason as anybody in the Big Ten, and they've got a chance to add another one. Mike Sherevance, uh, the Dayton transfer, uh, NBA guys love him. He has a chance. He he's, has a final three of Nebraska, San Francisco, and Memphis. He's a top 40 transfer for us. So if he add, you add him to this mix, they already have Rink Mask. They already have Bryce Williams. They already have Casey Tomanaga, who's going to have an all-Big Ten vote from Jeremy next year. Mm, already did they last already year. Have, <laughs> Right. They already have Josiah um, Alick, who is a really good piece at New Mexico. Uh, Jawan Gary gets healthy, CJ Wilcher. Like, that's a deeper team than a lot of people expect. So I think I think it would be, you know, kind of a disappointment if Nebraska doesn't at least flirt with an NCAA tournament appearance. Yeah, I'm going to be way too high on them. They're going to be in my top 10. Like, they, they will be in my top 10. I don't know if it's going to be like eight or seven or nine or 10, but they're going to be there because, uh, listen, they're good. They were good towards the end of last year. And I, I was really impressed with what Fred Hoiberg did. And I think they've made some really good additions, like some good Big Ten players. And if they can add that guy, that one more, um, yeah, I, I really like where they're going. And I do think they're kind of working their way out of that that bottom tier uh, of the Big Ten. And they've done it creative ways. Like, no one knew who Casey Talmanaga was when they got him, and he's coming out of nowhere. They've gotten really good transfers. Like, the Bryce Williams kids from Charlotte is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like, he he might be one of the best scorers in the Big Ten next year if he can, you know, level up as a three-point shooter and and, and prove it at the high major level. Rink Mass is solid out of Bradley. So, like, they have a lot of really nice pieces, and they're old. Right now, I think they have nine guys right now in the rotation that are juniors or seniors that played a lot of college basketball. So you're starting to see this development and growth from Hoiberg. And when you got the Japanese Steph Curry, anything is possible. Um, let's see. Iowa in this tier? Rutgers in this tier? I had Iowa in this tier as well. I'm still waiting on Rutgers. I didn't want to throw them in. A uh, few rumors about Paul Mulcahy potentially entering the portal. Mm. And then when you add in um, Cam Spencer entered the portal and just landed at UConn late last night. That's a big loss. So I, I'm kind of pausing on Rutgers for the moment, but that's still a pretty good roster. But let's pivot to Iowa. It's weird because, like, I felt like this Iowa team is another piece away from – they didn't really find, like, their Chris Murray, Keegan Murray replacement. And they tried really hard to get involved with Grant Nelson, the North Dakota State transfer, number three transfer in the class of 2023. Didn't get him. Didn't even get a visit. They thought they were going to. Arkansas comes in, says, hey, you're coming here. Alabama comes in. So it's an Alabama-Arkansas race, and Iowa thought they had a great chance. I thought they had a great sell. Yeah. So it's a roster that like looks like it's a piece away, but they still have pieces you kind of like because Tony Perkins is good. We saw that last year a lot. <laughs> and then uh, Peyton Sanford is another piece that we like. And Ben Creeke, Creeke? I don't know yeah. how to say his last name yet. Uh, I think you could potentially put him as like the second or third best transfer in the Big Ten. Like, he is phenomenal. He is phenomenal out of Falpo. So I'd expect him to be their Philip Robacha replace and be awesome for them. One team we haven't talked about yet, where do you have Indiana? Yeah, so I have them as well in this tier of potential there, but I'm scared. Is it okay to be scared about Indiana? I know it's not sexy yeah, to be scared about them. Everybody likes them. Because, but... listen, Khalil Ware is a fascinating talent. He wasn't a very good player last year. Now I expect him to be better. He's not Trace Jackson Davis. Like so that's a huge loss. Um and obviously your point guard's a huge loss. They got some talent coming in. Uh they got a good front court. Still can they shoot? Like can, can you shoot? Like Mackenzie Mbako, right, is is a big time addition for them. Another, you know, five-star guard coming in. So like he can be really good, but it's the same question about Indiana's can they shoot and are they going to be as good 
with losing the the best player, arguably, outside of Zach Eady in the Big Ten. They have one guy who can dribble on the roster. <laughs> one. Like, one. Xavier Johnson and who else? Like, Trey Galloway's not beating you and scaring you off the bounce. I mean, he's a good player, but he's not terrifying you off the bounce and, and pick and rolls. He has a good floater. But, like, you're, I, I don't look at Khalil Ware as your Trace Jackson Davis replacement. I look at Malik Renew as your Trace Jackson Davis replacement yeah. and hope that he takes a big jump forward. You hope that Mackenzie Mbako is a decent player. But yeah, like, I, so I, I, called him, I called him a guard. He's a power forward. <laughs> like, yeah. How many power forwards can you have on the same roster and, and be good? Yeah, he's they technically he's listed as a power forward. I guess they think that he can potentially play the three, but he like that's still a major question. Him translating to the being a three at you know, with with what his skill set was, he technically is supposed to be a pretty good three point shooter, but he really struggled on the AAU circuit last year, knocking down threes. Only shot like eighteen percent from mm. three. So like, there's like real questions about like what this roster looked like. Now it's a talented on- roster, but the construction of it doesn't make a lot of sense. It feels like it's the Orlando Magic of like twenty eighteen with like Mo Bamba and Aaron Gordon and Jonathan. It's like all these power forwards and front court pieces who don't shoot. Right. And like, where's the minutes for Peyton Sparks and Khalil Ware and Malik Renew and Mackenzie Mbako. And then you just, it just, it doesn't, it feels like it, there's a lot of pressure on Xavier Johnson to be like, Hey, you have to make this all work for us. Like you just have to, Hey, you have to run the show. You have to get, Right. Like you have to, everything has to work, but for you guys to be really, really good. Like Anthony Walker from Miami, another four, throw him into the mix. Like, it's just like, they have all of these front court pieces and maybe, maybe I understand a little bit of like, Hey, we're not going to find a Trace Jackson or Davis replacement. Who's going to give us, you know, 18, 12 and five. But if we can find three or four guys who can give us four, four points a game, couple rebounds, you know, in, in spot minutes, and maybe it'll all piece together to be that Trace Jackson Davis replacement. But it just feels like this this roster doesn't have a terrifying wing that scares you. It doesn't have an NBA two guard, right? It doesn't have an NBA guard, honestly. And a lot of big men that need to be fed, but how does this all work? Like, how does this all work? And if Xavier Johnson gets hurt or, or say he, you know, rolls an ankle and misses a couple weeks, like, this could get really really weird for them so i have a lot of questions about this roster like it feels like there's more pressure on xavier johnson than almost anybody in the big 10 coming into this year it's pretty insane he's as important as any player in the league outside Outside of of (laughs) yeah like he is so important for them to just be competent because they have a lot of young guys that would need to take cj gunn gabe cups all of these guys would have to take massive massive jumps in, in usage and role all right, let's go to our next tier, which is the lower class, but I have to put in this um, qualifier, but not Minnesota bad because Minnesota is in a tier all of its own. In my opinion, um, maybe Bart Torvik has a different opinion of that, but all right, so these are the teams we expect to miss the NCAA tournament. There's a big name you have not mentioned yet. A big yeah, name Michigan. in the big team. Yeah. Michigan, yeah. Uh, this roster is a disaster. Like, this is an absolute disaster. Uh, what they have done in the portal this offseason has been a huge, enormous whiff. Like, you know, blame it on NIL, blame it on, you know, the transfer stuff, not being able to get Caleb Love in. But you lose Hunter Dickinson, and you're not able to go out and really add a piece that can really step in and replace him. That's a big loss. Now, they're trying really hard to get Oliver Olivier Kamwa from Tennessee. He's a good player but he is not Trace Jackson Davis. And so, like, even if you add him to that mix, maybe, yeah, you throw him in that lower tier of, like, a bubble team, but still you have major questions about the rest of this roster. Like, you know, this is a huge year for Jawan Howard, and this roster just has a lot of iffy pieces, just a lot of them. Terrace Reed you like? Yes. Jalen Wellen maybe you like after an injury? Doug McDaniel uh, good towards the end of the year, but is he your best player? Yeah, he is. Like, that's where, that's where you're at right now. So, like, there's – there's like a few pieces you like. How many All Big Ten guys are on this list? Listen, they went into last year thinking Terrence Williams was ready for a breakout, kind of like Illinois did, maybe with R.J. Melendez. They gambled big on that, and it did not pay off. You had Namari Burnett, which injuries have been you know a huge problem for him. Are we sure he's good? I don't know. I like Terrace Reed. I like their I like their point guard play. I just are those if those two are your best players, if those three, McDaniel, Llewellyn, and, and Reed, that doesn't feel like an NCAA tournament team in the Big Ten. 
It doesn't. And Trey Jackson is a decent get out of Seton Hall, but he's been a role player for a long time. And it feels like all of their chips are now on this Kamwa bucket to potentially save them and make them relevant again. And, you know, there'll be Michigan people that say, oh, he's a 15 and eight guy, potentially, maybe, but like he hasn't ever really proven that. And so it's just, this is a roster with a lot of questions and not a ton of talent. And Michigan has always been a team that like brings in talent. They've had multiple draft picks in three straight classes. That's going to end. I'm just going to go out on a limb and that's going to end in this next cycle, just because this roster just doesn't, it doesn't wow anybody. It doesn't scare anybody. And I, I still can't believe that Hunter Dickinson left. That's still like one of the wild stories of this offseason. The fact that you an all-American big man would leave Michigan is like, it's just wild. It's just, I can't believe that is a reality, to be honest. Remember, not too long ago, under John Beeline, Michigan had like a five-year period where it was as good as Kansas, if not better. Like, um, so that is pretty crazy to see, especially given the legacy he had built there. Uh, to leave there is is insane. Rutgers, do you have in this group? Because um, looking at their roster, they need Derek Simpson to be pretty dang good this year. They do, and they need Moat Mag to be uh, healthy again after his really bad injury. And then Noah Fernandez is a guy I really like. I like I like him from UMass. Um, Andre Hyatt has been a, a solid piece. Like I like them. Getting Cliff back is awesome. Like we everybody loves Cliff. Like he's a great player. But if if Paul Mulcahy enters the portal and leaves, which is still up in the air, I don't want to speculate on that. If he returns, that would be a big time get for them. But if you lose Mulcahy and you lose Cam Spencer. You go from a Big Ten contender, we would have had them in that contender stage, to now you're like a fringe NCAA tournament team. Like, a lot of questions about this group. So I do like some of these pieces. Like you like you said, Simpson is good. Fernandez is good. Mag is good. Cliff is awesome. But it's real thin. It's real thin. And I feel bad because Steve Peichel does, a, does the job the right way. Seems like a really good coach who's done a lot of good things. And he has not had the support yet from the NIL group there at Rutgers to really – you know, field uh, competitive offers, and that's why he's losing some of his best players. Okay, Bart Torvik has his team below Minnesota, Penn State, uh, new coach, which is a good thing for Illinois. <laughs> that uh, you know, you get Micah Shrewsbury out of the Big Ten after two really tough years. But what do you think of Penn State with Ace Baldwin, Zach Hicks, Rayquandis Mitchell, Kadus Wahab, Puff Johnson, Kanye Clary, a line I killer uh, after what he did in the Big Ten tournament. That's a that's a way different looking roster with with a new head coach. Yeah, I um, I'm going to make the VCU joke about this team all year long. Penn State will now go as VCU because it's just a lot of VCU coach VCU guys. Like it just has to be. I cannot put Penn State below Minnesota with Ace Baldwin on the roster. It is impossible for me to do that. It's just impossible. He is phenomenal. Like he is. Like people are gonna really love this dude. Like when he's when you start seeing him play 14, 15 times a game. Like he, he like. Think about like Trent Frazier's intangibles on the floor as like a leader in defense and uh, just caring about winning while also being such a talented offensive player as well who can just put you on his back. Like think of that, a, a player like that, and that's what Penn State has. And I like some of the other pieces too here. Zach Hicks is a good player. Nick Kern is a good player. Raquandis Mitchell has a, some questions about him, but he's a really productive player at the at, in, at the Division One ranks, and he can potentially be you know an interesting piece for them. And Kanye Clary is a guy that I, I think a lot of people like with his ability to put pressure on the rim but it's still it's year one there's a lot of questions yeah this is a roster that doesn't really have a, a ton of star power compared to some of its big 10 peers but ace baldwin's phenomenal and yeah. you know you we do the point guard com- comparison and who's the best point guard in the big 10 and maybe you throw chucky hepburn in that mix maybe you throw you know a guy like Bruce Thornton in that mix. Maybe it's Tyson Walker and AJ Hogard in that mix. Boo Booey is in the conversation. Uh, Jameer Young is in that conversation. You, I, personally, I, I think that like Ace Baldwin is as good or better than all of those guys. He's right there in that Jameer Young conversation for me. It's the best point guard in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's not a great position for the Big Ten, but Ace Baldwin certainly helps him. I, Jameer Young helped them last year uh, as well. Similar level of transfer. All right. Minnesota, are they in a tier all by themselves? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Like, where is this program headed, and what are we doing? Because this feels at- like last year, Nebraska. I was kind of asking the same questions. Kudos to Fred for for turning around and being more competitive, and I, I do like what he's building. I don't see the same kind of hope here for Minnesota, like that 
maybe that could happen, but I think it's a very small possibility. Yeah, I mean, best case scenario, Parker Fox gets healthy after two years of injuries. Isaiah Enan is a guy that we've seen before, has had some moments. Nobody listening to this knows what you're talking about. <laughs> that's on. That's not on me. That is not on me. That is I'm just not saying, on me. like, my... these names, I don't even know. And I, 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 I look at these rosters. I'm looking at the roster now, and I'm like, who? Who are you talking about? That that's where they're at. That's where they're at, and that's what Ben Johnson has built. And maybe injuries have been a problem, but like you're heading into next year, going Mike Mitchell Jr. has to be awesome, Dawson Garcia has to be awesome, and all these freshmen, Pharrell Payne, who has had some minutes that we've liked. They just have like, what is the best case scenario with this roster? And it like this, if they finish 500, it's a miracle. It's kind of how it feels. Like in year they, three, James, yeah. in year three, 500 overall, not 500 in the Big Ten, 500 overall. Like, and so I just, you know, it's, I feel bad saying it, but Ben Johnson was a, a hire to improve their in-state recruiting and their in-state recruiting has gotten significantly worse. And so it's like, that's, that's the concern with pendulum hires. Hey, we need to get better in in-state recruiting. So we're going to get rid of Richard Patino and we're going to hire Ben Johnson because he's an in-state guy and he's recruited these guys. And we're going to hire assistant coaches with strong ties to in-state recruiting. And then it'll all work because then we won't let these great players leave the state. It doesn't always work like that. Yeah. And so, like, Minnesota's, Minnesota has a lot to prove. And some of the pieces you like on paper. And I, I can say names that no one else knows about and <laughs> talk about how they could potentially be decent. But this is still a roster that is well behind it's, it's some of the others in the Big Ten. Yeah, and Ola Joseph did some good things towards the end of the year. I know Braden Carrington uh, is coming back. But, like, some of these guys, like, are we just – do we know them just because they somebody had to play? Like, some somebody right. had to play um, for them. So, I just – I mean Dawson Garcia maybe. Yeah, Dawson Garcia is going to get his um but that's like the one player I'm sitting there going, yeah, he could play for most teams in the Big 10 and start and and be a pretty good player. It's just yeah, 3 years into this like they're probably like, "Hey, Rich Patino wasn't that bad." And the other one too, losing Jamal Mashburn Mashburn was a big loss for them. Him transferring from Minnesota there cuz he could have been like that that, you know, the guy who covers up the gaps for a couple of years that mm -hmm. bridge potentially and he he bounces now too and so you know minnesota and illinois were kind of in similar tiers not that long ago right it, so it it could always be worse there's some wednesday be worse. wednesday thursday big 10 tournament battles between those two teams for sure uh is the big 10 good isaac I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I guess we'll find out together. I do think, though, that the Big Ten has had a very good offseason. They've gotten Zach Eady back. You get Michigan State gets their guys back. Nebraska gets their dudes back. Illinois gets their dudes back. Maryland gets their dudes back. So you have you head into this season going, hey, there, there's some real there's some real pieces here. Wisconsin gets their guys back. So you feel pretty good about what this this conference has brought back. It's old. It's experienced. They have some really interesting transfers that have covered up some gaps. But point guard play is still an enormous question. And you know how many NBA guys is still an enormous question with this with this crew and. Mm -hmm. And the recruiting has obviously been an enormous question, too, because there's not a ton of, you know, these high-level recruiting classes coming in as well. But I think from a retention standpoint, you feel very, very good, and you just hope that some of these returners can take a step forward because there's – I mean, there's a lot of top 50 teams, I think, right? Yeah. And just how many can you get to that second weekend in, in March? Yeah, so two top 10 teams, maybe another ranked team, whether that's Maryland or Illinois. Some people like Indiana. Um, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Wisconsin has to be in that mix. Yeah, we'll see, but I feel like there's going to be 9 to 10 NCAA tournament teams. We'll see if any of them can get uh, farther than the Sweet 16 this time around. Man, it's June, and we got an hour of basketball talk with Isaac Trotter, 24-7 Sports, national college basketball writer. Isaac, appreciate the time as always, my friend. Anytime, man. Great stuff as always from our guy, Isaac Trotter, doing great things with our national crew covering college basketball 24-7 sports. As we wrap this up, he goes, man, we could have gone even longer. Could have gone for another hour. And I was like, ah, we need we needed to cap it at an hour. Uh, but I always love the enthusiasm of Isaac and uh, the insight 
was phenomenal there as well. So I think we got our fix of college basketball, Illini basketball, uh, with that hour with Isaac Trotter. Later this week, I think tomorrow, I'm going to record a football podcast with Joy Wagner because it is a huge recruiting weekend for Illinois football. As I said earlier, rolling out some of our official visit primers, and I started off with two of the biggest ones, Darion Dupree, four-star Chicago Mount Carmel running back, and four-star Naperville uh, defensive back, plays free safety uh, and wide receiver, uh, Luke Williams. Huge targets for Illinois. Started off with them, but a couple other big in-state targets and some big out-of-state targets as well. I'm rolling those official visit primers, and Joey Wagner and I will break down a huge weekend ahead, a huge month ahead for Illinois football recruiting uh, tomorrow on the podcast. Everybody, give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate when you do that. Check us out on YouTube. We got this entire video. We do most of our video interviews uh, on the youtube channel so check us out there subscribe to us hit the like button and uh, hit the notifications bell and you can get notified whenever we put up a new video and check out all the content at illiniinquire.com everybody have a great day take care of each other we'll talk to you next time right here on the online Inquirer podcast bye everybody